Welcome to Irreverent Revenue Cycle, a healthy outcomes podcast from Baker Tilly. In this audio series, we'll informally discuss all things revenue cycle. Baker Tilly is a leading advisory, tax, and assurance firm dedicated to helping healthcare organizations become or remain financially sustainable. On our podcast episodes, we'll bring you a topic or guest that will help you win now and anticipate tomorrow. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Irreverent Revenue Cycle podcast. We are going to have a lot of fun with these. Um, They're kind of casual. They're not your normal revenue cycle. Talk about something incredibly specific and give you a 20-minute monologue. We've got agenda where we're going to talk about a, a topic of the day, something that's hot in the market. We're going to have a guest on the show most episodes. Then we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that we do here at Baker Tilly that solve problems, not in a uh, not an attempt to sell those services, but just explain how there's some innovative things in the market and how we approach uh, revenue cycle performance. We'll occasionally diverge off of RevCycle to other healthcare operational topics. And depending on the guest, we may diverge completely off of healthcare, but hopefully it'll be entertaining for you. And then we'll end the show with a a tip of the day for you so that it's something that you can take from a practical standpoint and um, hopefully deploy that in your organization or at least play around with it a little bit, see if it'll help you. Our guest today uh, is Doug Long. I've known Doug for probably too long now. We, uh, we almost uh, share a brain at this point, but uh, Doug's a partner and healthcare practice leader at uh, the firm McMahon and Ransford. Doug has uh, roughly 30 years of expense or experience in consulting. A lot of that around rev cycle providers, health plans, and financial and operational improvement. Uh, he's he's done a lot in the in healthcare space. He's uh, worked with companies that serve healthcare organizations. He's worked um, in providing direct services to them, but also in transformational type consulting. Um, you know, Doug and I met years ago while we both worked at Deloitte, but he's worked at Deloitte GE Healthcare and some other locations. So a wealth of experience we hope to tap into in in um, our short episode today. Um, also with me and, and should be kind of my sidekick on the whole thing is, is Kyle McMahon. Kyle's a manager in our practice in depth at uh, a lot of the things that we do here. Kyle and I have a, a great working relationship and we talk every day. So I thought it might be nice to have him on here to keep me honest on some things. So uh, today's topic is going to be COVID. So how is Revenue Cycle dealing with COVID? And we're obviously Baker Tilly centered on some of the things we're going to talk about, but that's why we wanted to have a guest today. So you know, Doug, we're seeing some things with that we're doing with workflow, work from home, and some different things. But what are you you kind of seeing in the in the healthcare space? Kind of geared towards revenue cycle, but you can you can branch off if it if it makes sense. Uh, yeah, sure. I think the pandemic has created some interesting dynamics that it's highlighted some things where the industry might have been starting to work on some emerging technologies. It's pulled them forward. I mean, there's some obvious ones. Telemedicine, probably the big one. Uh, work from home solutions, uh, another one. And then if you think about how clinicians and researchers have had to share data across, um, not just across enterprise, but across the globe, a lot of those things may, I think, present opportunities after we're through the, um, you know, the challenging and, and tragic part of, of the pandemic to uh, accelerate some of the, the value out of those kinds of things, um, whether it's artificial intelligence, robotic process automation, et cetera, et cetera. We've helped a couple of clients uh, over the last several months with some work from home solutions and, and kind of an interesting little uh, fallout of that. When we started deploying the, the workflow and, and some of those things, it was really to say, okay, we've got to deploy these, these employees safely. 
um, but also operation still has to continue. But what we found is one of the clients is, is in a little bit um, restricted area from a, a talent pool. And while we were going through the deployment, it occurred to all of us that said, hey, if we can figure this out and, and develop the right metrics training and all those things, really you could pull staff from anywhere. And that's, so that's one of the kind of the aha moments that the pandemic has, has kind of um, allowed us to understand is, you know what, we can help our clients set up operations where if they're in a very high um, expense area, a market, say New York, Chicago, you know, one of the big metropolitan areas. Well, you know what, they can hire people in central Virginia um, where it's a lot cheaper, train them and manage them just as if they were, you know, sitting down the hall. So um, some of those things are, are, are pretty cool as well. You know, Doug started to point out, you know, we can have multiple segments on. You can, you know, do the work from home, the, you know, the automated technology, and there's a, there's a million different directions that we can go. There's, I mean, some of the things, it's, as long as we do the right tracking and, and routing of work and those things, you know, I'm going to bang a little bit on on uh, the big boxes that I, I talk about regularly when I when I used to do live presentations. The, the problem with the big boxes is they, they are slow crawling. They're, they're a uh, aircraft carrier trying to turn, right? And and some of the things that we have to iterate now and lessons that we learned when, when this hit, you know, early February, late January, is we have weeks to do things, maybe days to make changes. We can't wait 18 months for the next major release to cover something. And truth be told, whether anybody wants to really admit it or not, those organizations are, uh, you know, they're called an EHR and an EMR for a reason because they're worried about the, the medical care component predominantly and things like administrative functions, revenue cycle, and those things are an afterthought, whether they, they want you to believe that or not. Um, it's, just a, it's just a fact of that business, where you're going to apply the, the most of your resources is to the clinical care component. Now that all, that all spun out of um, meaningful use requirements that everybody had to meet. And then, you know, Doug, you and I have been around this business a long time. It used to be all about, we have the core operating system. Uh, you know, when we grew up, it was either McKesson or um, Envision uh, from SMS. Um, date ourselves here a little bit, but you'd have those, and then you'd have bolt-ons. Well, then everybody got to the point when when meaningful use hit, there was a concept of you know one system solves all. Let's uh, maximize the investment in a partnership with a technology company that would mitigate our cost to some extent. Now I would argue that I don't think that's really happened because instead of paying, you know, it used to cost you a couple million dollars, you ended up paying a hundred million dollars to get it implemented for the the luxury of of having that one vendor, but. I mean, some of those things have been prevalent and, and see those moving. Now, I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Some of the things we're seeing move back is because those have those companies are now heavily invested in the platforms that they have, the ability to create new and innovative solutions that are required for today's market, we're seeing now bolt-ons come back into flavor a little bit to, to solve those problems. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and and you know, not to pile on the big boxes, but uh, it, it, it does sort of remind me of uh, in our ill-spent youth when we used to spend uh, nights in the hotel rooms reading SMS and vision manuals, right? And I, I think this was probably around 1999. We were talking to them about some report, we were ad hoc report we were trying to create and the um, patient name record was, in the manual was referred to as like the 64R record or something like that. And I remember us asking about what, why does it have such an unhelpful name? And they said, well, cause that's the position it was on the punch card. 
created the system in 1965, right? So, um, you know, there's a certain amount of inertia that you're going to have with those big systems that, that is going to be challenging economically, culturally, whatever, to, uh, to adjust to some of these things. And I know we've talked about uh, a few of the things that you guys have been doing where implementation cycles are going from 18 months to six or eight weeks, right? And I think that becomes a challenge, uh, again, if you think about healthcare organizations trying to thread a needle or, or uh, if you will, between um, a culture that, that comes from the care side of the world of the first do no harm and on the other extreme, if you will, in, in technology where it's um, fail fast, right? Both of those have their place in the world, but how do you get into something between them that, that does, uh, as we were talking about this the other day, Mike, you described it as uh, a good to great mentality, right? How do I get something in place that works and then I can get, begin to iterate on it rapidly and, and get better and better? Yeah, and you know, this is one of the things where we you know, think about uh, you know, one of the most valuable um, you know, assets is time. You know, uh, you know, right now is where we need to start, you know, deploying technology in a matter of weeks and not months. Um, you know, stuff like uh, work, you know, workflow optimization tools, uh, you know, optimizing uh, work tasks to, um, to bring in the next most valuable, you know, account in the, uh, the third party follow up sector. Um, you know, that, that drive cash, you know, next week versus you know, six months from now, you know, a year from now. You're, you're hitting on a key component. I mean, it's, that's with a little cowbell there. So that's a sophistication on, on the uh, Mike Duke side. But <laughs> Kyle, Kyle you're, you were right on it. It's, it's how do we iterate quickly? You know, it's almost, um, you take a software mentality of, of agile deployment and spin that up into process deployment. How do we do that? Um, and, and you were, you were striking it right on. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kyle, but the, uh, it's not just deploying, a new workflow tool or workflow approach, particularly if you think from the work from home and how COVID just descended on us. Well, we've got to start thinking about it like that all the time because we need to deploy, you know, the old uh, consulting phrase, people process technology. It's a little overused, but it's, it is still valid. Just a little. Just a little bit. But how do I, <laughs> how do I deploy a technology solution in weeks, right? Because uh, that usually takes 18 months, as Doug said earlier. How, but I've also got to get my people spun up on that stuff. So it's not just getting a piece of technology, some training and say, hey, I see you, have fun. So you got to get the people adequate on it. And then you've got to get the the process in alignment that you're driving the cash or whatever the objective of that deployment is. But you're right on, Doug. I mean, this is, I say this all the time, and it, it, we were talking about it the other day is, let me get good now and then I'll iterate quickly so that I'm driving value while I'm improving the operations as opposed to waiting a year to say, okay, uh, we, we should be able to flip the switch. Let's do this thing now. And so small cycles of rollout are, are critical right now. And that's impacting not just the, the health organizations and um, those things, but it's changing the mentality of, of people like us that are consultants that go out and help our clients. We've got to think in, in, in faster deployment patterns uh, than we might normally. And so um, so that's kind of cool. I, I don't know. Um, I know I've talked to you a little bit, Doug or Kyle. I don't care which one you guys jump, jump on it. But let's talk a little bit about the, 
the micro training approach of that rollout and that quick iteration, right? So I, I train people on how to, how to do their job and I train them how to use the new workflow tool or whatever it might be, whatever the new application or solution is. But then how do I iterate their, their growth cycle in the jobs that they perform? You guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll I just jump in here real quick with an observation that uh, uh, months ago, the first time I saw what you guys were, were doing with that, I was, I was literally floored. I mean, this idea that you could target the kind of training to each individual employee without a massive amount of account auditing that um, used to go into it, right? We used to say audit 100 accounts from each employee to figure out what you needed to train them on, that you could drive that with the analytics and very quickly be able to get specific feedback to them. And, and if you think about it as an analogy, right? If you're a, I was a soccer player, I was a goalkeeper. Um, so most of my soccer coaches growing up didn't know anything about goalkeeping, right? They were field players. So we had a goalkeeper coach, but it's even better than having a goalkeeper coach. It's having a coach for each of the goalkeepers, right? So one guy might need to work on his footwork. One might need to, uh, work on distribution, whatever those are. And sorry for the soccer analogies for those of you that aren't soccer <laughs> people like, like uh, Mr. Duke here. You know, think about it. It's, it's, it's not just a positional coach. It's a personal coach, right? Which is so powerful. And, and then to, to, to have it be based on something other than just quality or just speed. So, here, you know, for many years, we had action codes in the system and how many action codes did somebody produce? And it was really hard to reconcile quality and quantity, right? So if you can bring those two vectors together, man, that's a whole, those are game-changing ways to elevate performance rapids. Yeah, and there's a lot of things. I mean, not just not just that micro-training, that that's how we describe it, but and having 10 positional coaches, right? But now it's because of the way some of this, the work-from-home things have happened and the, and the things that we've seen be successful, particularly in the kind of in the midst of COVID is assigning people like work and allowing the system to drive the next activity, which allows you to not only have an individual training comparison of what I need to do to get better me, but I can then compare myself to, to employees doing the, a like job. And we take out of that, well, Kyle's were harder. That's why he was slower. You take all of that out of it, and now I've got a, an individual comparative to what I need to do better. But I can also then say, and here's five tips we learned from somebody that's doing, you know, twice as good. Um, let's apply those to your learning as well. And it just, it, it accelerates some of that, um, at least what we've seen on projects. And, and it's actually having, you know, the insight uh, today, you know, versus, you know, three weeks from now. You know, well, one of the things that, you know, at least in my short experience uh, since I've been here, no matter if it's Meditech, Cerner, Epic, um, the, the, the one comparison, and it's a negative comparison, the one comparison that everyone has is uh, you know, they don't have insights into, you know, the daily productivity, the, the, the daily um, activities of, you know, the, the back end office representatives that are doing the work, you know, so they can't really target, you know, this training, you know, at an individual basis, let alone, uh, you know, the, the back end organizational uh, side, you know, it's, it's, Oh, well, we've been doing this, you know, the same way, uh, you know, throughout, you know, however long I've been here. Well, now, you know, with, you know, detailed insights into user, you know, productivity, thinking about a little differently, uh, you know, like one of our uh, tips of the day, you know, uh, user effectiveness. 
um, you know, we can actually target some of this training and, uh, you know, improve the back-end performance, you know, uh, immediately versus several weeks, several months away. Well, I mean, we're going to get, I'll talk about a little bit at the end of this about, you know, the next show and the next topic. We're going to get into some of the detail that what, what it takes to, to achieve these things. I mean, it's nice to talk about them, but unless we give you some, some hardcore examples of how to set up uh, the tools to be able to drive the analytics, to be able to drive the employee and performance enhancement um, and those things, that, that this would kind of be a waste of time. So um, today's is an overview and, and we'll get into more detail on some of these later, but the, the last thing before we, we, we're going to switch to, to analytics specifically um, and, and kind of the tip of the day, because we know everybody's busy and you don't have hours to sit and just listen to us. Doug, uh, last question I kind of have for you is around the industry and in, in general, I was reading, actually pulled up a, a PowerPoint deck that we had put together when we were at Deloitte. And it was funny reading, it was a bullet point presentation or, you know, it had the bullet points, an introductory slide on the healthcare industry. Margins are thin and being compressed by external factors and managed care agreements. Um, employee costs are rising, uh, those type of things. The, the cross between um, excellent clinical care and run, uh, dropping your operating expenses was a, at a constant, um, you know, uh, conflict and those types of things. And I kept reading, I, I read bullet after bullet after bullet. I was like, well, <laughs> was like I guess we haven't, right? haven't made any progress in 20 years right. or however long. Well, you know, I, I think about that um, a lot uh, with our clients and, and I'm sure you're seeing this in particular in revenue cycle. But across all those topics you listed, this could apply, right? I, would, I mean, I would kind of call it topic fatigue, right? So for good reason, a lot of uh, healthcare executives are hard, uh, hard pressed to get excited about doing another revenue cycle gig, right? Um, they've done a lot in the past and some have been great, right? I mean, all of them, of course, that you and I, and uh, I'm sure Kyle have worked on have been great, successful, all that. Yeah. But um, the truth of the matter is, is we, we haven't had all the tools that are now coming available. So uh, not only has a lot of the change been somewhat incremental, right? As opposed to some of the things that could be fundamental now, um, they've also been really difficult to sustain. So some of the most successful projects that I worked on um, over the years had a ton of management reporting uh, that was sophisticated by the standards of what could you manually take out of the system, put into Excel and create a bunch of uh, analytics uh, at that point in time to help managers manage. And, and a number of our clients use those for long periods of time and, and were really successful with it. But that's hard and expensive, right, from a, a labor standpoint. So now, to your point about uh, analytics coming into it, you got a whole different ball game on how much of that can be uh, automated and presented to whether it's presented to the uh, staff or to managers and, and leaders, um, it lets all those people play at the top of their game, right? I think that's really one of the um, cool, uh, exciting parts about what's happening in that space. Yeah, I think innovation in, in healthcare, everybody thinks of clinical, um, and there's there's so much opportunity within just the administrative functions. I mean, I think that's why. Uh, you know, the Fed came out with a simplification act. I mean, those type of things that um, they did see a lot of things. But Kyle, since you were kind of the 
you were the hands-on creator of a lot of our analytics as a service. So, I mean, you don't have to get into the Baker Tilly specific, but why don't you talk a little bit about how we, we, we view analytics from a process perspective, as opposed to global KPIs and those types of things, just a little bit different mindset. And since you kind of put your hands on and build it, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the way we you know, designed Arc Protect is, you know, to have that consulting consulting feel to the analytics. And you know, so Arc Protect looks at, you know, the entire revenue cycle. It doesn't look at, uh, you know, to Mike's point, um, you know, a KPI here, a KPI there, you know, are you, are you hitting it or are you not? You know, it, it, it goes a little bit further. You know, it's, it's how, how do you actually fix, you know, the, the, the problems that are occurring? So, you know, when we designed, um, you know, our protect, you know, we initially, you know, went with, you know, all the pretty graphs and, um, you know, the, the, the trend lines and we're, we were sitting there like, yeah, it's, it's missing something. So, you know, we started to incorporate NLG, uh, natural language generation technology, you know, and, and uh, with, the, with the thought of providing our clients with how we would fix something while we're not there, you know. So, uh, you, know, you, you know, no matter whether it's a manager in patient access or uh, someone in, uh, you know, billing, the analytics actually provide you with, you know, the solution um, you know, versus just showing you what the problem is. That's right where we took it. I mean, we, we, to your point, Doug, I've worked on how many engagements did we work on where three years later, they would call us back to do it again, right? And we wanted to put together something. As a matter of fact, that was a criteria when I when it came to Baker Tilly. I said, I want to build this where they never have to hire us for the same thing again. So really sustainability was a key word for us. Again, that's starting to get overused a little bit too, but the, the, the thinking was the changes we put in without major regulatory changes that, or some kind of external force, you know, the, the 50% of the, the businesses in your area shut down and, and cause a, a higher self-pay population, something, there, there should be a mechanism where the tool helps you. Um, and that was really the whole, the whole crux of the thing. So sustainability is a big issue for us. We want clients to hire us a lot. But what we'd like them to do is hire us to do new things, not the yeah, same. Yeah. You know, one of the things I think that, uh, again, frustrations for healthcare executives is the moving goalposts, right? So um, your goalposts are moving on the one hand and your everything else is shifting behind you in terms of trying to keep that sustainability. So if you can capture the sustainability side of this and really spend your resources on how do I respond to those external uh, forces, you're going to be a whole lot more successful. Yep. So, um, so that kind of brings us to, uh, you know, we, th there's some things of analytics and we'll show through the course of these series, um, as we touch on analytics, we'll show some of the things we're doing. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we, um, we have two strong partners in that area. One is a Tableau software. We're, we're a big partner with Tableau and really believe in their product and its ability to, to deliver analytics in a way that clients can, can use easily. Uh, but the other is um, automated insights. Um, so uh, they, they're um, coupled with our solution and, and allow some of that natural language generation that provides the, the consulting think right there on the screen in, in natural language form. So um, anybody can use that. But Yeah, that's a good segue into, uh, you know, our, our tip of the day. So, Mike, you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, Tableau and automated insights. 
Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, with the tip of the day, you know, we also need to mention Vispa. Between the four, you know, Baker Tilly, Tableau, Automated Insights, and Vispa, you know, we're able to, you know, provide, you know, some of the uh, the actual productivity and the employee insights, um, you know, like our tip of the day, you know, uh, how do we get more insights into employee effectiveness? Yep. Um, so some of that is, you know, we have to know, um, at a very granular level, what people do. And so the actions they're taking to resolve whatever tasks they have is important. And we have to, it can't just be a productivity measure. Um, you know, Doug, you and I talk a lot about efficiencies, but it can't just be efficiencies, right? It has to be also the effectiveness of right. what somebody does. Um, you know, we touched base on a little bit about how hard that traditionally is for a manager to find. I've got to take 10 accounts and sample them each week or each month or each period or whatever that is. If I've got 200 um, employees in my group, might as well forget it. It's never going to happen. Uh, the feedback and those things. So building um, the capability through tracking of what someone does, categorizing that into whether it's an advancement of that work, which would be an effective action, or they're just spinning their wheels, which would be a processing type of um, action that's not really that effective. And then coupling that with what is the, out, the expected outcome and did they get achieved? And so an easy one is collections, right? Did I collect money? So tying what someone does and how many of them they do to how much they drove in collections, it's, it's possible to get to a comparative rating on an employee effectiveness. And, and one of the things that we've created here for most of the areas within RevCycle. So think about pre-reg, um, insurance verification, authorization, obtainment, uh, eligibility, those type things that are required there. A little bit on the middle space for some medical necessity and uh, maybe some inpatient auth type obtainments, coding, and then on the back end billing and follow-up, being able to put those and track what those people do and how well the work that they do drives to the outcome that we want we've created a ratio of comparative uh, norms that is, is actually, we call it the employee performance ratio. I know a creative name, but <laughs> it really does allow us to say, let's look at all our coders and regardless of the type of account they code. So it's maybe somebody's an inpatient versus an outpatient versus an ambulatory surge. It doesn't matter because once I normalize that ratio, I can see who my effective employees are for that work group. Um, and that we've kind of taken that mindset for every major job function um, within those, within the revenue cycle ecosystem. So um, that's been a fun journey, but I think it really does allow our clients to have some insight into the, the performance of people, the effectiveness of their, out, their work and the process in which they do that work. And then of course the, the outcomes um, that hopefully we're all driving for, which is more cash instead of less cash. So that's, that's the, <laughs> Kind of the tip of the day. What, what's a, what's one of our phrases, Doug? That we uh, tip of the hat. Don't steal small money, right? So right, uh, right. <laughs> let's try <laughs> to get more money. Better money to borrow, and uh, more money is better than less money. Yeah, yeah. We, those were uh, the rules of economics. There lessons we learned at uh, at Deloitte way back in the day. So uh, there's a couple extra nuggets of, of knowledge we just dropped on you. All right. Well, I think well, that's awesome. I think it's about all we have today, Doug. It was it was great seeing talking to you yeah, again. Enjoyed uh, it. As always, a lot of fun. Kyle, thanks for, for jumping in, bud. And um, guys, we'll, uh, we'll try to do this again uh, very soon. Thank you for listening. 
To receive notifications when new episodes are available, please subscribe on whichever platform you get your podcasts. For additional resources, check out bakertolead.com.